from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program of biographical interviews of people who have either chosen the Baha'i faith as a way of life or who have a relationship with the Baha'i faith. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today, I'm playing a telephone interview with Charles Cooper. Charles was going through life moving up the food chain when the Vietnam War and other personal tragedies hit. This caused him to start questioning the purpose of life, and it was the beginning of his spiritual search. When he was about to think there was nothing out there that would feed his spiritual need, he ran into the Baha'i faith. I started the interview by asking Charles where he grew up, and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts. Uh, Anybody who grew up in Lynn would... I know it's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) the neighborhood was uh, interconnected with each other. A lot of people knew each other. We used to play uh, street kickball a lot and uh, had block parties sometimes. The neighborhood kids, we all hung out together, whether we went into the woods or down the park or someplace like that. It was mostly, what was it, Irish at that time. I know that General Electric... Is there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So is it yeah, somewhat... I was on the other side. I was in Eastland. They're on Westland. Eastland and Westland are sort of like rivals in their high schools. But we had the beach not too far. We used to walk down the beach about a mile away. Hung out down there. Got into a few scraps and fights and things of that nature because it was, had a little bit of a, a tough element to it, you know. My dad was a hard worker. You know, um, in, in those days, my, my father worked. My mother stayed at home and worked at home, helping to raise us kids. He worked three jobs, keep things going. I was raised a Catholic. It was fairly central to my life. You know, I went to public school, but I went to Catholic uh, catechism school. So on Tuesday afternoon, we would get let out early to go to catechism classes down at our church, and then, and then we'd have um, classes after uh, Mass on Sunday. It was a very strong identification. I honor the experience. It certainly helped instill some, I'd like to believe, good principles in me, along with, you know, an identification of a, a larger being of God and believing in that mystery. What happened after you graduated from high school? I went to a local college for a while, and then I went to work for a national shoe chain, so I, I sold shoes, I managed shoe stores, and then um, rising up in the, the corporate ladder, if you will, and I suppose everything sort of kind of crashed on me. What was the impetus to the crash? Well, I got to a point in my life where, you know, because I had the Vietnam era, being in Lynn, pretty much all of us got drafted. The rich neighborhood kids did not, but, you know, the working class kids did at mm. that time, so they're, they're the people that went to Vietnam. 
You know, I, I remember going to um, Boston, the military complex in Boston, where everybody went. And it was quite a day. We knew some of us were not going to come back, and that in some cases we might be seeing each other for the last time. So it was a rather intense period in my life. Myself, I did not get drafted because of a, a spine issue that I have when I was born. So I was on one Y status. In other words, if the war got worse, then they would have brought me in. But otherwise, I was exempt. You know, a number of boys I grew up with did die over Vietnam. And, and then a number of them that came back never came back in the same way. You know, they were pretty confused and upset. and It was a hard period in America to justify that. <clears throat> that war, which now we know was not the right way to go. It was tough. So that in a, a series of, you know, life tragedies that occurred in my life. Um, one of my best friends at the time got was killed by a rifle, you know, gun accident. You know, a several experiences along that line brought me to um, later in this period where I, I sort of crashed was to question, well, what was the purpose to life? You know... The parties and the making the money and and all that wasn't cutting it anymore for me. I started to uh, well, I really questioned, thinking, well, there had to be something greater to life than just going through the motions and satisfying one's needs and hoping for the best. You know, I eventually um, I left my career, I left my job. Uh, I didn't know where I was going, but I felt I had to go out and explore life, ask questions. And so that's what I did for about at least two years. It was it, it was a tough period of time, but it was also a very enriching time. You know, I mean, I'd, I would grab some job or I'd put a jack and tie on if when I ran out of money and I'd go work for a couple months someplace and then I'd make enough to pay up the rent and and then I would leave and go back on the search. And in the search, I, I went through um, all political groups and social groups and religious groups and always asking questions and um, trying to understand what other people were asking and what answers they might have had. You know. So, you know, I went through um, a Buddhist phase and a Scientology phase and different Christian phases and socialist phase and libertarian phase, and oh my God. Um, That's a quite uh, uh, wide berth. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> kind of shows you where my mind was at the time. Like, God. like all over the place. <laughs> all over the place, you know. Wherever there was a question, you know, that's where I would, I would go. You were the true seeker. I suppose you could call it that. You know, I could go on and on and on, but yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of groups and yeah. um, collective centers ways of thinking, you know, that I explored, I spent time with, I read about. And lots of times I scared the bananas out of myself because I was going crazy. It's not what you're supposed to do in life, you know. You're supposed to get a job and get married and do all those things. I didn't do that. Yeah, you were following the wayfarer path. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. The road less traveled that went over the cliff, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a lot of different areas to cover in two years, actually. 
Actually, longer than that, but two years was a period of time where I actually managed not to work long stretches of time full-time. Mm-hmm. I devoted more of a full-time search in that way. You know, like I'd, I'd say, wow, you know, I never worked in a factory before. I wonder what that's like. Can you imagine that, making a decision to work in a factory because you want to know what it's like and see what, the, what that population, um, that piece of life is like? So I did. I lasted three months. <laughs> <laughs> I almost caused a minor revolution, getting the union in and all those things. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. And it was an amazing experience. It was very clear. I, I mean, God bless anyone who works in the factories. But mm. I salute them greatly. It's not an easy, not an easy life. So, yeah, I did things like that. I worked on an ambulance. I worked in drug centers. And I made that part of the search, too, but then I would go back to my searching. And, I wonder what the Hare Krishnas are doing these, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, was, it was an interesting journey. What was very interesting is that um, it was probably at my, well, it was at my lowest ebb. But I, was, I was pretty beat. I was downhearted, and um, I was broke again. And all this time, I, I had entered. I had, I had entered into uh, my own personal relationship with God, and realizing that the political scene just isn't where it was at. You know, it just was going nowhere. It's going around in circles. The politics of personalities just didn't go anywhere. People would be complaining or praising about one personality one year, the next year it'd be somebody else. It just didn't have many answers for me. And the deeper questions led to the questioning about returning to the yes, idea of some creative being or mystery God that has some relationship with the universe, and I don't understand it. The only way I was going to is to try to communicate and express faith in the process and trust that some relationship will evolve. And so that's pretty much where I was at my lowest ebb. Was that within that two-year period or beyond the two-year period when you hit your lowest ebb? Oh, it was at least a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say I, it, it probably at that point, yeah, maybe uh, going on to three years. I remember, I, I, you know, this was like a full-time job for me. One night I'd get down to the Buddhist temple and I would hang out there for a few months and chant and read their writings and literature and investigate their story, and then I would go away, and then I would be in a born-again evangelist Christian group and, you know, be studying the Bible with them, and it was a very full period of time, you know, that I was investigating these. But at the lowest ebb, uh, God does have a sense of humor. At the lowest ebb, you know, I went, you know, all around them, of course, eastern Massachusetts, in some ways I took courses and and what have you, around the country as well when I could. I had a um, two-and-a-half-gear bicycle at the time. It kind of slipped on the third gear, which made things a little dangerous for um, certain parts of my anatomy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which you really had to be careful about. (laughs) And since I didn't have any insurance, I had to be very cautious that (laughs) I didn't wind up, you know, needing a doctor. I was down in downtown Salem, which I lived all these years, it was an empty storefront, and on the storefront, it had a large sign. The local Baha'is had rented out the storefront, and they had the um, 12 principles. You know, one is a God, one is a humanity, 
you know, the equality of men and women, elimination of prejudice, oneness of science and religion, you know, unity of science and religion. So all those beautiful principles, yeah. And I read them all and I looked at them and I said, wow, it's really like a, a modern-day Ten Commandments kind of thing, you know, really universal principles. They spoke very strong universally to me. And there was a little number down at the bottom, and I, says, and I remember looking up and saying, okay, this is the last time. There's been so many, you know. Uh, I live the last time, God, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. But I got no energy left after this. So I called the people up. They were wonderful folks, extremely friendly and very real, you know, down to earth. Uh, I never felt like they were trying to convert me, per se, you know, all that. They just generally wanted to share their faith with me. And I drove them crazy with a thousand questions. I remember um, the fellow who uh, was hosting it sat back in his big chair at one point, exasperated in a loving manner, and said, God, you asked incredible questions. (laughs) 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 He got exasperated with me. It was funny. So then I took some books and I went away. And uh, I went away for about three months. And I read the books and I prayed. What was interesting is that probably for the, well, I think it was for the first time I I had a sense of, uh, wow, this could really be it, the voice, the message that I was looking for. You know? And so that's why I needed some time alone, you know, with, with the books and prayer and reflection and all that. So I did. I spent a lot of time with, you know, gleanings, Gleanings is a uh, work of Baha'u'llah. Basically, it's a compilation of Baha'u'llah's writings. Right. And um, Baha'i World Faith, that was a compilation of Abdu'l Baha's writings and you know, Baha'u'llah's writings, which are now in the tablets. And Abdu'l Baha being the son of Baha'u'llah. Son of Baha'u'llah, yeah. And of course, like many, many people, he was the one that I was really attracted to first because, you know, he was this deep, profound philosopher that that brought very complex ideas into a practical realm of understanding. And at least in some ways, you know, some of his thinking was really required some deep meditation to appreciate it. But he helped me to understand and appreciate Baha'u'llah more, who was on this very lofty station, you know. I remember reading um, Prayers of Meditation by Baha'u'llah, right, and reading the book and going over it and going over it. I got about halfway through the book, and... Wow, he sure loves God a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what else <laughs> I understand about that, but he sure loves God a lot. You know, and, <laughs> you know, he was amazing in that regard. So I was at a, a point where I had to say, um, "Wow, you know, I, I got to make a decision here. I either got to let this go or I got to move on." So I. Uh, I really prayed, Warren, you know, I really prayed, you know, I, look, I, I put myself through the ringer, you know, I, I sacrificed a few years of my life here, uh, money, positions, all that. I really don't have much right now. If this is really the right way for me, I need to see a sign, and that's what I prayed for. And so then I, I, I went to bed, <laughs> I went to bed. And the next morning I, I woke up and I got this idea in my head that I got to have a sign. Because 
Because mm. I realized I needed to make a decision. Uh, and I either had to let it go or move on, you know, or, or embrace it, you know, one way or the other. At least investigate it further. I had to go back to the community. And, uh, I had to make a decision. I had to find out what I was going to do with this information, where I was going to put it in my life. And so it was, it was really becoming a struggle in my brain. So I got up in the morning, early in the morning, and I, I went for a walk. I'm walking down the, the street, and there was a photographer place does photographs and what have you. Um, I looked into the window, and they had this sale event going on. And they had a sign on the sale event, and just as I, just as I walked by the, the large window, display window, the sign fell down. It was like a 12 by, like, 18-inch sign, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And it fell down in, on the inside windowsill, faced up. And the sign said, do it now. <laughs> I mean, it really caught my attention. It was like I didn't have a choice, you know. <laughs> it said, do it now. And I went, oh, my God. And so um, my doubt came in. I prayed to God. And I said, okay, God, now this might be a coincidence. Hmm. So I need another sign to let me know that this is the right sign, you know. And I said, I won't play more games, I promise, I promise. But that's what I asked. So then I walked a a little further, thinking I just need a little more reassurance, right? And I'm walking across the street, and on the opposite side of the street is um, a Unitarian church um, that I had gone into numerous times in the past. And they had this billboard in the front where they would often have, like, the quote of the week on this billboard. I'm walking, and I just happened to turn across the street, and I'm walking right across the street, and I'm facing the billboard, and uh, so I'm I'm expecting to see this quote, whatever it's going to be this week. And I look at the quote, and the quote said, Your inability to decide will be the decision you will live with for the rest of your life. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I said, too. I said, oh, my God. So, so I, I knew it was just, I could play games in my own mind, or I could embrace something that seemed to be indicating that I needed to embrace. Yeah, that was very powerful. So I, I that night I called the people up again, and, and I went over to them and asked a few more questions and, and what have you, and then that's when I uh, declared my faith. Now... Charles, you had mentioned that you were at the lowest ebb or lowest mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. What defined being at the lowest point if you were searching from place to place? What made it be like the lowest point? Was it from an emotional exhaustion point of view? Or what was it that you describe it as the lowest point, at which point you ran into yeah, the Baha'i it, faith? it was emotionally, spiritually, mentally. I met a an amazing amount of wonderful people in the search, sincere good people in different religions, different groups, trying to do something. And in their own way, worship God or serve humanity. Really, really good souls. It was interesting. You know, I, I would see a particular effort and I'd say, wow, this, this effort can really help with a certain sector of the population. Or it might really help with a particular issue 
in the population. For instance, and some would, would have a strong emphasis on uh, meditation and prayer, and you could develop a better sense of peace for yourself, right, inwardly. It's not necessarily going to answer the world's problems, but it could help me cope with them better. It didn't have um, anything beyond that. You know, I thought, well, you know, I can learn how to meditate and I can perhaps deal with the world better, but the children are starving in the world. What's the answer there? You know, how do we get rid of this enormous racial prejudice that's out there in the world that causes so much pain and disunity? I mean, and, and I know the old um, teaching about, you know, you change yourself and you can change the world, and that's true to some degree. But so there needed to be a collective effort where there was an organized plan. It wasn't enough for me just to say I'm going to develop myself spiritually, mm-hmm. that there had to be some type of collective effort with a a defined, organized plan if we were going to address the severity of the of the world's problems. So that had to be there. Also what had to be there was, in my being raised a Catholic, is my belief in Christ. And there were some particular organizations that were either very atheistic in their views or they were in their own offbeat way, perhaps denouncing Christ, or just perhaps putting him as a, a nice guy that had a good idea. Now, I didn't quite know what his station was all about, but I certainly know that he was in touch with a power that I certainly am never going to be involved in, ever going to know, mm-hmm. that it's beyond me. And his influence on the world is undeniable. So in, in the core of his teachings... How can anyone argue against them, any rational person? So wherever I went, Christ had to be there as well, and central to the message. You know, and I had a a, a great affinity for um, other great teachers like Buddha and and Krishna and Zoroaster and Muhammad and, and what have you. How that all fit, I wasn't quite sure, but I felt, well, Whoever or whatever was going to speak of of Christ in uh, a central way had to have the right place for all these other great teachers as well, in some way or another, without them being competing with each other. The Baha'i Faith was the only only place I found that to be true. So in my lowest ebb, I wasn't finding as much as I saw and was a part of some very wonderful people enough of the answers in any of the places I investigated. So my heart was sort of broken, Mm. and my mind was exhausted, and my emotions were dead. And so that was my lowest step. I was pretty much felt very defeated. So what do you think might have happened if you had not run into the Baha'i faith at that point? I don't know, Warren. That's hard to say. Would I had, you know, mustered up enough energy, probably rolled up my sleeves and just gone back to, you know, making a living somehow and mm-hmm. doing that, you know, perhaps. It's hard to but guess, But I don't yeah. think the spark for life would have been there as much, you know. 
a big piece of me would have been uh, missing. And then when I came to the faith, and I saw, you know, the writings and the teachings and the volumes and volumes of, of knowledge that's there, and the uniqueness of it, how progressive it is on one end and how how its constitution base of knowledge is so fundamental in many ways, you know, the, in, in terms of what you would find, say, in the Ten Commandments, you know. So I, I, I didn't see any conflicts at all with the ancient teachings and, um, and Baha'u'llah's new vision. And then his vision of the world is just incredible, the, the twofold process that is going on where he sees the old world order being rolled up and a new one laid out in its stead, the forces of decay and the forces of, re- of building. And boy, it's clearer, clearer today than it was 35 years ago. That's true, huh? So the vision was amazing. The knowledge base was incredible. There was a strong emphasis on the fact that we're responsible for our own spirituality. There's no priests, ministers, or rabbis, so i got to do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good thing. It's about time, I think, that we do it that way. So what did you do after you became a Baha'i? I drove the Baha'is crazy. (laughs) 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 Is that what they were talking about when they said unity and diversity? Mm -hmm. Yes, right. (laughs) Well, I certainly presented a challenge to their their belief system, that's for sure. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, like anything, you know, it has growth spurts, and then it has its plateaus, and then it has its unexpected challenges, and sometimes spiritual crises, and and then you just get really back in touch with how how human we all really are, and how important it is not to judge one another, realize that, well, you know, no one really knows what this is all about. We're all part of a mystery. And so to have a relationship with a prophet that offers not only guidance for the world, but also guidance for the individual, and puts the like the beauty and the message of Jesus Christ into this modern day, it got to reinstill in me that deep longing of wanting to find a greater purpose in life. And I did it. Brought me to a place where I started to realize, wow, and this is just something you got to keep applying and keep striving for for the rest of one's life. And if there's something that I don't like or is missing from my limited understanding in the Baha'i community, then it's chances are it's missing in me. If something needs to be done and it's not being done, then the individual is aware of it, then it's probably missing in me. So that was always an interesting challenge and test to have one grow. I realized after a while that, wow, I only have really one problem in life, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <yeah. laughs> that's big enough. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's true for all of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to work with that. So. You know, Warren, I had to say, um, we just broke fast a little while ago, you know. So, so I had so, to admit my mind was a little bit on the... It's been a really, really good fast. 
But as with all fasts, sometimes at the end of the day, it can be a little challenging mentally. I was trying to... <laughs> right, right. It's it's kind of it's kind of unfair for me to pick interviews of people during this period of the Baha'i fast, where we fast from March second till March twentieth, from uh, sunrise to sunset every day. We abstain from food and drink, similar to what the uh, Muslims do during mm. Ramadan. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of unfair, Charles, for me to it is. pick you on you. Absolutely <laughs> appalled. <yourself. laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, you got me during a, a good fast, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, probably like yourself, I mean, there's been times in the past that's oh, been yeah. really difficult, and there's been other times where I wasn't able to do it. This one was a difficult one for me. I don't know why. It's been uh-huh. uh, more of a toll on me mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and physically, and, and I guess that's the part of it, you know, that's the whole reason is, we go it? through it, is to, yeah. is to appreciate what you do have when when you have it, and then uh, and and to appreciate when you don't have it. Well, you know, the exercise is really to remember God. Boy, doesn't it do it? There was an article in Time magazine that talked about the relationship between science and faith, mm. and they said that there is a, a physical phenomenon when one abstains from food, like fasting. Uh, what you're doing is you're relying from the fat in the cells to provide what what's lacking when you're mm-hmm. eating, mm-hmm. and that there actually triggers a part of the brain that deals with spirituality and spiritual thought. You know, the other exciting point about the faith and the fast is that it's based on common sense. If I'm fasting and I have to work really hard physically, and I might need to break fast for the day. If a woman is pregnant mm-hmm. or someone is sick, elderly or whatever, you know, we adapt. And it's all about the, the spiritual approach to it, isn't it? That's exactly right. It's, yeah. not, it's not the mechanics that are important. It's not the food, yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's the experience that's important. Yeah. So back to your story, Charles. How did things differ for you work-wise after you became a Baha'i? Well, that was the next phase, I suppose, of my search. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't feel like I needed to do that anymore. Now, now it was time to get more of a direction and find out what's my calling, per se. You know, Baha'u'llah says the best of men are those who are true to their calling. We all have this, these innate gifts, if you will, and skills, and if we get in touch with them, get to know them, and then bring them out in the world in the form of work, then that's a very noble effort. That was my next phase of the journey was to strive to understand, all right, well, uh, now that I've I found a faith to work with to give me a base to look at the world through, now I have to find out who am I in this faith and how can I best serve. So then that became another another investigation that went on for a few years. My God, I said, maybe it takes a while to get things through my head. I'm not sure about <laughs> Nothing came easy. <laughs> Nothing came easy. So I, I worked in different places, but basically it came clear it was more and more involved with the health field. And that's where I am today. My wife and I have had, we had Prana Health and Yoga Center the last 18 years. In the last 25 years, I've, I've been doing um, polarity therapy work and clinical massage work and 
concept therapy work, what have you, in, the, in that context, and then I'm adding acupuncture to it. So that's been an evolving state as well. So it's been an eclectic approach to therapeutic service that has been my calling. So you started in the traditional health field, and then it sounds like your predilection to searching, always searching, you saw that there were other ways to healing instead of just the conventional medical way? Or? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know if I ever did anything conventional in my life. <laughs> probably a refreshing change of pace for me if I did. No, in the beginning, I didn't do necessarily the conventional. I, I, I mean, I did work in some mental health units, and I did do some work on, um, on ambulance care. But even that was not, I, I don't think it was necessarily conventional. Why is that? Well, in, in terms of ambulance, we were working in the inner city with kids who would overdose on drugs or try to self-abort themselves, all these very difficult situations. Well, let's just say our ambulance would be the one that, if there was a big traffic jam in front of us, somebody would get out and clear the sidewalk, and we'd drive the ambulance down the sidewalk to get to the person. We wouldn't be tied up in the traffic. That's what we did. That was about the closest I came to conventional. And then I, I went into hypnosis, hypnotherapy work, um, polarity therapy training, uh, shiatsu at the East-West Foundation, the Mishikushi, macrobiotics. What I saw was a lot of really enlightened, good, wonderful people were teaching valuable knowledge outside of the basic educational system that wasn't offering anything. Now, today, they are more, but back then they weren't. You know, you can get a degree in holistic nursing now. You couldn't do that back then. You, you can get a degree in uh, a, like a wellness certificate program, which I was privileged to be a part of in the North Shore Community College for about five years, teaching there. But in the early days, none of this was available in the educational system. You had to go out and learn from renegade doctors and professors and educators and, and uh, work that way. Is Prana Health Center the first facility that you created? Yeah, I either worked for other places or I was involved with others that um, were creating something. I, I had an association with an eclectic uh, group of therapists in the Cambridge area for a while. I did some work there and then I did some therapy work in um, my own private practice. But Prana Health and Yoga Center, yes, that, with my wife, Shay, we, that, we created that ourselves. And what was the inspiration behind that? Well, yeah, I, I wanted to have a, um, some type of center, eclectic place where people could come and explore different ways of thinking and different ways of helping themselves and what have you. And um, it just felt right. It was the time. Mm-hmm. For her and I to, for Shay and I to join our forces together and open up a center. So that's what we did. And how long has it been open now? No, we just recently sold it. So now it's someone else's. How long was it open for? We had it for 18 years. Why did you sell it? Again, it was time. You know, we're, the, the center's in Salem. We live in Wendell, which is the middle part of the state. Nobody knows where Wendell is. So. <laughs> 970 great people here, but that's about it. So, yeah, it was time for a change again. You know, life has cycles, 
and in our early part of our lives, that's all set up for us. You know, we graduate from high school, you graduate from college, you know, we get married, you know, and what have you, those milestones. But I think it's also important to recognize that there's milestones that go along in our life cycles. And it was time for us to make another change. We wanted to keep the center going. It's under a different name now. It's called uh, Green Tea Yoga. We wanted to keep that center going, but it was time for us to to move on, move into other avenues of expression. So, so we're making a transition. You know, Shay is out in the Wendell area more than I am. I'm still going three days a week. I'm renting a, a room and taking care of clientele in Salem right now, and I'll do that for a while, and then incorporate some work out in the area where we're also living. We're feeling that out. So where the next phase takes you is not clear yet. No. You know, that Warren is a, always an interesting place to be. When, when we're in a phase where, you know, I feel like i got all my ducks in a row and everything's cooking, I know what I'm doing, where I'm going, what's happening and all that, that's a very secure, easy place to be. And then to put oneself periodically in a place of unknowing, it really gets the cobwebs out of the brain and challenges one's spirit. You know, I've done that before in life, and yeah. this is what we're doing again. And it's a real, I may say, expression of faith, because you have to um, believe that the answers are there, even though you don't always see them in front of you. It's an interesting way to li- live life. It's challenging yeah. sometimes. It's good. It seems to me that what you want to make sure you have is meaning in your life. Yes. New challenges, new ways of being and expressing oneself. I know myself in my own work, you know, I've been developing this particular therapy for a long time now where I'm interfacing acupuncture and clinical massage work and polarity therapy. And then where it's appropriate, of course, to bring in the, um, the qualities of spirit. We'll see where that goes. I needed to get out from under being a director of a center so I could focus more on, really devote more of my time and energy on the therapy work itself right now. So that's another reason why we decided to to close it down. And it was good for Shay, too. She was ready to move on and do some simpler things and more other challenges out here in Wendell. Life is good, and it's a mystery. If we can enjoy it and spread a little love along the way and and have some meaning there, then, wow, what more can we ask for than that, right? Yeah, a friend of mine always says, life is an adventure. Yes, it is. It is a real adventure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Charles Cooper, a Baha'i who co-founded the Prana Health Center in Salem, Massachusetts. For a copy of this and other programs, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. Side.
on the other side It's like a living a bubble with no trouble And problems don't exist I check on the them, that ain't the case at all It goes back to the time when I was very small I didn't mind the size and age My papa used to say You can always look at the negative But you should always live in the positive So I try every day to live in that way What is and how much they can And be the first to complain about nothing And life going their way The attitude's there that I can't do nothing about And very happy with just breathing in and out The ones that when you say let's go make a difference They'll say nah that's okay So I don't waste time on the trip side Cause I do know the real on the flip side And I'm crystal clear every day That's why I
Come. 
God, refresh and gladden my spirit, purify my heart, illumine my powers, I lay Oh, Lord. 
hands and bless the Lord at all times. For in the presence of this holiness, spirits are filled. When the praises go up, the blessings will come down. So with our praises, we will dance and sing and let you know our God is real. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.